Money, a podcast network that understands the assignment. The Alive Podcast Network has launched the world's first content distribution app tailored by and for podcasters and listeners of color. Subscribers will enjoy a wide variety of shows ranging from spiritual to comedic to inspirational. Podcasters can house their content and merch in one spot and monetize from a central location. Visit AlivePodcastNetwork.com coming soon to iOS and Android. Sign up today to get a six-month subscription for $20. You can thank me later. Hi, this is Shirley King. Welcome to another episode of When Women Speak, finding, leading, and leaving with her voice. When Women Speak is sponsored by Life on Power and the brand, What If She Knew She Was Powerful, a leadership development and employee belonging consultancy firm um, that supports women in amplifying their voice. Another episode with another amazing guest. You know how we do it here in the, in the When Women Speak studio? We got Brenda Morrison. Let me tell you about Brenda. Brenda Morrison is a leader, she's a visionary, and she's a fierce community advocate who believes in getting and gaining, you become successful, but only in serving do you become significant. Did you guys get that? Not just successful, but significant. And through her life stages, she has used adversity to grow and develop in a new iteration of herself. Brenda has worked on several local and state electoral campaigns where she has served as a volunteer coordinator and curated and researched policy platforms. Upon graduating from FIU, Brenda served as an aide to former U.S. Senator Bill Nelson and his Broward County Outreach Office, where she assisted constituents with their needs and concerns on a federal level and serve as the assistant to the outreach coordinator. In 2020 though, Brenda worked with various organizations to bring awareness through the 2020 census. Brenda most recently completed an internship as a legislative aide intern for the city of Lauder Hill with Commissioner Melissa P. Dunn, where she worked on business incubator program and a health disparity project that assessed the social detriments for health for the residents in that city. Along with being of service to her community, Brenda is passionate about building and fostering relationships with current and future generations of young professionals to empower them to be, to be change agents in their community. Brenda currently serves as the president of the Urban League of Broward County Young Professionals Network. Brenda, welcome to When Women Speak, Finding, Leading, and Leading with Her Voice. I'm so excited to have you today. Thank you so much, Shirley. I'm so happy to be here with you. And it's, it's so amazing that Brenda put in her bio that she's contributing to young professionals because that's how I met her um, maybe 10 years ago or so um, in a young professionals program that I was co-running. And she showed up like, I want to glean. You giving it out. I want to take it and glean from some professionals. But that's how it starts. You just take one step and say when someone's offering and you take it all everything they have to offer i'm so excited for brenda in this conversation we're going to have today because she is perfect for when women speak brenda what does it mean for you when you hear the statement find her voice what does that mean for you oh man uh to me that uh phrase means finding your place in the world um, finding how you will contribute to the world and finding how you will help somebody else to do the same thing. Um, mm. Finding your voice is not only about just you, 
it's a turn about what you can do for somebody else. And oftentimes the journey to get to that point um, means that you're going to help somebody get to that point as well. Not just only once you fit, uh, eventually find it. So between the bio I read and then the <laughs> first answer to that question, you guys can tell that she's a servant leader. Yes, you can in, you can tell that she's a servant leader, but she goes deep. She she's not a surface servant leader. She wants to make sure that you get it. She doesn't all, she doesn't just want to find her voice, but she wants to make sure everybody assigned to her finds their voices as well. And listen, at the end when we talk about how to find Brenda, how to reach out to her, how to follow her, you're going to be a believer. Just follow her for a couple of weeks. You'll see that she's doing exactly what she's talking about today and when women speak. Thank you, Brenda. You're not finding your voice means that I'm not just finding my voice. I'm helping everybody else find their voice. Yes. And sometimes, and, and sometimes it could just be one. It's, it's not a thing to save all. You try to reach as much as you can. But even if you reach one, you know, you're helping someone else that has some sort of calling, some sort of assignment. And you don't know that one could be, you know, the, the linchpin for hundreds and thousands. You just never know. Um, but it starts with one. How did you know, Brenda, I was going to ask for the person listening, a member of the audience, <laughs> that that sounds overwhelming I, I, to find my voice and helping somebody else find their voice. I'm looking for my voice. So that seems overwhelming. You said it before I can ask. Just one is yes. enough. Yes. Absolutely. And it's a continuum um, um, process. It, it evolves over time um, because even when it became a point of me just finding my voice, I was just trying to find my place in the world. I said, I, I, I got to figure out where where I'm supposed to be some so sort of solid ground um, before I just end up doing something and uh, find myself doing something reckless. Because um, I was at a point where I was young, you know, but when you don't necessarily have either the access the opportunity for you to kind of explore a little bit to find out what your voice is. You know, the next thing, you know, that you end up doing as well, you know, you feel like all hope is lost and you just go to the, to the reckless thing. So I would just say, don't feel overwhelmed by the process. Um, you, when you, when you feel it, you know, it's a feeling, I will say that um, because it, I don't think this was something innate for me. Um, I think I was very much looking at it from a self perspective, like, you know, from a, from a selfish perspective. But I found along the journey with finding my voice, it is a very selfless journey. Um, and it is about you start to realize that certain things unlock for yourself also when you're able to help somebody else. And so you said initially it was a selfish journey. Yes. Let's let's just unpack that just a little bit, um, yes. because when you don't know who you are, I believe you have to be selfish mm -hmm. because otherwise what you're sharing with the next person is yes. something that you're unsure about. So let's talk yes. about that a little bit. That initially it was selfish, then it went to be it went to selfless. Yes. Um so for me it was just um I'm an immigrant coming from Jamaica. My parents came when they were 40. Um I think when I was just like finishing out high school, I think I might have graduated high school. I had the harsh reality set in that um, my parents were just trying to find their way. And it it was up to me to get myself into rooms. Um, and so um, that became a part of the selfish journey that, you know, a lot of things I were I wasn't necessarily um, you know, being being able to afford it at a particular time. Like I'm the baby, I have an older brother, but um, in terms of the transition, immigrating from Jamaica to America, 
there's a lot that was like lost in translation in terms of me being able to grow up um, and also know the landscape that my parents were now inheriting as our now home. You know, I ended up realizing like, okay, I got to, you know, get out there for me. I got to get out there for me. I got to figure it out. Um, and, you know, even, even when some stuff I started to uh, uh, connect myself with, with, you know, certain organizations and when I would bring it home to my parents, they wouldn't necessarily understand it. Um, so I became at a point, I, every event that I went into, I, 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 I looked at it from the perspective of what can I get out of it for me? Um, and it switched, the light bulb switched um, when um, I really started to understand the importance of serving and serving when I didn't have much. Um, I had this thought process that serving occurred when you had everything or what you considered to have everything. Um, and the light bulb switch occurred that when you don't have much, when you could potentially be on your last, but what you have to give is to serve to somebody else. It's a, it's, it's a game changer. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you might, you might not be able to even receive anything monetarily and even tangible at that time. But mm-hmm. inwardly, when I thought about how I wanted the spaces that I was entering to transform my life, yeah. The, 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 the serving part had to be connected to it in some way. Um, whatever I wanted to manifest out of it afterwards would come yeah. and it would literally blow my mind. But the serving part was very much connected to it. And the feeling that I got, you know, from serving someone that I may not have had much, but the, the person next to me that I might have been serving might have less than me. You know, that put things into perspective. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Brenda? That was a that was fire. That was a huge <laughs> and, and I hope you heard for the individuals that are um, starting out and you're trying to find your space. I hope you heard. I'm just going to translate when she said she had to make sure she was in the room. She had to put herself in the room. But that's that's equivalent to being in a room where you think you want to be. She didn't know quite. She just went from room to room until she landed. But you can't land where you're supposed to be if you're in a room with everybody else that don't know what they want to do. You're going to have to stretch in order for that to happen. Uh, But I promise you, you're always going to meet that one person in the room that's going to be willing to give more than just say hello. They're really going to respond to your phone call. They're really going to respond to your email. It's always that one person in the room. You just have to show up. Thank you for that rich conversation from that first question, um, Brenda. And what I'd like for you to do is the question is, have you, have you ever had a voiceless experience? And, and it could be a yes or no question, but I always ask my guests to describe that experience. And all of us have more than one. So literally, you got to pick the one experience. But when you had a voiceless, a voiceless experience, can you share an experience like that? All right. I'm going to combine like two into one. Um, so, um, I would say like from what I experienced as a voiceless experience, um, was very early on when I immigrated from Jamaica to America. Um, there is until this very day, I will never forget it, but, um, there is a difference with the education, um, within, um, Jamaica and America. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is something, it, it, there's a lot, but one simple thing that kind of can co- uh, combine it together is that um, in America, we know that um, what goes at the end of a sentence is a period. Um, in Jamaica, it is called uh, a, a full stop. So mm-hmm. I remember 
um, uh, a third grade teacher that I had had asked the question. We had just started the school year and um, I wasn't back in Jamaica. I wasn't I was an active student. So I'd be one to raise my hand at all. And I remember when the teacher asked the question here and I had a classmate that said uh, period. And I'm like, whoa. It's a totally different world. Like this is not, this is not Jamaica. And after that point, there were so many different cultural differences that literally just made me become mute. Mm. Um, I was very active in Jamaica, but I literally became mute to where, you know, where you probably had met me and I wasn't talking much. That is definitely a reflection of that point. Mm -hmm. um, the second um, time, it's very much just when it came to when those rooms that I mentioned earlier scared me to where I definitely wasn't saying anything. I was observing, you know, but uh, uh, I didn't say anything. And I felt the voiceless feeling that I felt was not so much how I felt in third grade. The voiceless feeling was a, 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 a conscious feeling of wondering if, if I opened up my mouth, if what I said would make sense, if it would... Um, add value to the room, start, starting to recognize the, the, the type of people and the caliber of people I was in rooms with. I was like, would it make sense? Would it turn somebody off for me? You know, like, like even thinking about just the casual networking and the very awkward networking I had, you know, mm -hmm. as I as I started out my journey, you know, I questioned, you know, if I had something to say, would it come out as gibberish or would it actually make sense? Mm. Um, it, it took a while, you know, to kind of uh, a turn around what that um, that voiceless moment meant, and I realized that it was not so much a weakness, but just something. I it was just something that I needed to just utilize the space to observe, and observing was not a bad thing. Walking into a meeting and not being able to have anything to say, or an event and not have anything to say at the time that I was there, at the age that I was there, was not necessarily a bad thing. Um, and I started to unlock, you know, the voiceless feeling by just taking in the conversations. I would find myself reading up on certain stuff that they would talk about in the meetings um, and events. And then that way I could figure out, OK, if I'm ever given the opportunity to then say something, this is something that I can add and I'll feel confident about what I'll what I'll be sharing. But that didn't mean you were going to show up to the next event and actually intentionally talk, talk, talk. Right. I love how you say that. It was okay to observe. In some of my leadership training, I literally go through the person, your personality in the meeting, how you actually contribute in the meeting. And one of those personalities is the observer. The observer doesn't say much. They may respond or they may say something, one thing profound, they don't say a whole lot more. But the observer probably really took in a lot of the dynamics of that meeting. So they're able to follow up in a way that the person that was consistently engaged just didn't hear, didn't, right. um, did, they didn't hear what was being said and they didn't actually catch something right. that the observer caught. So there is something to be said for the observer. You don't have to, you just have to show up in the room. The fear of not showing up, then you don't get to even hear the conversations. So you don't get to even like go back and, and look up what they were talking about. And then now you become aware of it. Not so you can show up tomorrow and talk about it. It's right. So that you gain something from it. Absolutely. Oh, thank you for that. Brenda, we're learning a whole lot. If you are <laughs> listening to this, you're just starting out in your career or you've been in your career for a couple of years, but you do know that you have to do something different in order for you to do something different. This yes. is the conversation. 
that you should be listening to and replaying. Get that journal out and write those notes. This is a, 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 a rich conversation, but that person is just starting out in their career. You're just one to three years in to, into your career. So Brenda, our next discussion is going to be about really why should the voices of women and their values matter? Why should it matter? Oh, man. Um, it should matter um, because you think about when we, when, whether you are for whatever table you might be at, whatever room you might be at, um, a lot of these tables, rooms are put together to discuss lived experiences that we all are going through. Um, it's regardless of whatever title you may have, whatever degree you may have, whatever skill set you may have. At the end of the day, these tables are created to kind of bring the best of the minds together to address issues that we all deal with. And so on, in, my, um, in my thought process, I believe that women and women's voices in particular are much needed at the table um, because they uh, give great insight about the lived experiences of um, what issues you might want wanting to be addressed. Um, and for me, as a person who's worked in policy work, who's worked in elections work, there is no not centering the people most proximate to the issues at the table. When you look at majority of the major issues, it could even be in the public private sector, they're very much dealing with women. And it's dealing with women that deal with those issues, but also have keen insight that they can bring to the table. Um, it, oft, it also creates a space um, for them to develop you know, certain thought processes that thought processes that they have around certain key issues um, that are very much important to them, but you may not necessarily even feel that you have the academic work um, to, to support it, or you don't have the um, you don't have the job experience to support it, but your life experience is also something to be considered as well. Um, and so I think it's just very key to have that. Um, I can even just say on my end, um, Throughout my life's work, I've been able to work with both men and women. And I can say when it comes to just thinking, problem solving, um, thinking around how to work around a particular issue, um, even if it is not necessarily women centered, there's just something about having like other women in the space um, to not only agree or to even agree to disagree in terms of what what thought processes you may have, but it really makes you feel like whatever you're addressing, it's addressed mm -hmm. on a more holistic level, mm -hmm. you know, more than having it very, you know, mixed matched in terms of who is in the room. Um, so I do think it's just super, super important and, and you can't have, um, you can't have enough of it. There's always space um, for more because it just brings a different perspective, um, even if it is not necessarily the lived experience, but you know the problem solving mm -hmm. piece of it and all, um, mm -hmm. I think is just key and needed. Mm -hmm. I like what you said, life experiences matter um, because you don't just get um, the acumen and the um, experience that someone has when it comes to their profession and their career in their business, you get their life experience yes. as well. When you have the diverse folks, including the gender diversity in that room, you know, and I'll remind my audience again, 
that uh, a recent study, McKinsey's recent study, the 2021 study, um, it revealed that those organizations that are reaching their financial goals, at least the top 10% of their financial goals, their, their senior leaders that are making those decisions is at least 30% women. They're not making their goals because the women are there. They're making their goals because they have diverse thought, mm -hmm. diverse life experiences. So when I show up, I, I, don't, I may not necessarily show up with the same type of education that Tom has, but I show up with the life experience that Tom doesn't have and that Sally doesn't have and, and that my, my, my colleague Brenda doesn't have. So having that 30% itself is diverse even within the 30%. Absolutely. And I will say, too, it also definitely just shapes the culture, whether it's, you know, private, whether it's the private sector, whether it's the public sector, it definitely mm -hmm. shapes the culture. And as a millennial, I will say, um, you know, thinking about even, you know, what we value, like in the job market, what we value um, with with jobs and whether it is, you know, a job to, to gain skills or whether it's something that we're looking to extend and make it our actual career spot. Um, culture is super important um, yeah. because at some point it, it, it's like there's no shifting or tearing apart, you know, the identity of who you are and being able to kind of bring that into the work that you do. Um, so being able to have somebody reflect that, um, you know, I even think about policies around like paid parental leave, um, been able to see that some some states even, you know, move along and have had it. But even when you think about, you know, having women within that space, making sure that that is extended to employees, whether that it's extended to your spouse, yes. um, what does that look like? You know, being able to have like a, a, a woman and, 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 and the thought process in that room is super important to driving the change within that. Super important. And it drills down. So just yes. having the person at the table, you know, you, if you if you think broader, it's not just at the table. It's yes. all of the all of the experience in and the in the diversity of the culture and the life experience. It drills down to that that entry level employee. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. I can I can even remember. Um, uh, it's 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 a. Uh, like a 360 for me. Um, I have the opportunity to sit on the uh, board of directors of an organization locally here. Um, but if you asked me back when I was in college at Broward College, if you asked me if I knew what a board of director was, I couldn't tell you. If 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 you told me what a, a boardroom looked like, I couldn't tell you. Um, but it is it it is the opportunity for someone like me to come in as a young person, be able to see that as an opportunity to be able to see the, the the representation, not to say that I had broad dreams, you know, of being a board member, but, you know, it it, it definitely allowed me to see that, you know, having seeing people that look like me in a senior position was possible. That could be something that I could aim for if I, if I had the interest in it, but it felt like it was attainable. It felt like I was represented. It felt like whatever I may have, you know, been feeling or thought process I may have, you know, regarding whatever issues the, the company might be dealing with, there is somebody who looks like me that I can, you know, consider going to at some point. 
Wonderful. Um, this conversation is rich, y'all. I hope you got your journals and pens out because you're going to have to go back to the beginning of this thing right here and write down your notes and your points from it. As you know, I always have my notes for every guest, <laughs> and it's no different with Brenda over here. So, Brenda, we talked about give, you know sharing the experience of um, um, finding your voice, of when you were voices, voiceless, and I want you to get, give us and share with us when when you found your voice and you began to lead with your voice, you know, talk about something significant where you got that. I mean, I did that with my voice. I'm an experienced leading with your voice. Once you realize that Brenda has just as much access as anybody else, she just has to be willing to, to accept that access and that and have that impact. So give us an experience of you leading with your voice. Oh, man. Um, so I would probably have to say, um, I have, I feel like I have like two moments and I'm going to try to wrap them up in one. Um, so one that is a guiding force for me all the time. And when moments align with this is where I kind of just do all that I can to take it in. Um, I remember a conversation with my mom, um, like shortly after I immigrated here and the, 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 the change and the transition was really challenging. And I remember I came to my mom and I said, mom, why did we move here? Um, just flat out. I said, mom, why did we move here? Um, and there have been moments in my life since that time that then I have the conversation with my mom and she said, this is why we moved here. And I take it all the way in. Um, that could be, um, I think, um, when I um, finished out like um, my bachelor's degree, um, but I finished it out at a time where um, we were financially like volatile, things were just not going well. Um, I was very much still leading from a space of trying to help my family in that aspect, but also, you know, utilizing my time well when I wasn't home to be connected with doing community work um, and being able to get the degree. And then, you know, having my mom kind of just be able to say something like that really um, solidified to me how in some way I made the best use I could of my time. Um, to really, you know, make the dream worthwhile for, for my parents to come here. Um, the other point that I think is just, um, it, it, it blows my mind every time. And I don't say it, you know, lightly because we're in this time, but I, I didn't think just offering words of advice could, could, could shape and help, you know, someone else, but I'm so glad that it did. And yeah. it's that um, during my early time, I'm um, mm -hmm. serving as president for the Urban League of Borough Counties and Professionals Network. Mm -hmm. um, my term started July 2020. So mm -hmm. if you flash back, that's just a couple weeks after the George Floyd murder happened. Mm -hmm. um, we actually have a chapter out in that area. Yeah. Um, and at the time before I was president, I was just advising their um, civic engagement person. And they were planning to host an event. Um, and the same night they were planning to host the event is when we all found out about George Floyd. Mm. So I actually got the chance to join a call with just their president, not necessarily like the top 
people, like more so the grassroots people, and just being able to like problem solve with them to say, what can we do right now to kind of bring some solace to our community? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I'm not an expert in this. This is I'm already a first timer leading in a crisis locally with a pandemic. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not there, there's nothing in the handbook or anything to tell me how do you deal with a crisis of a pandemic and a social ju- injustice issue at the same mm-hmm. time. But I felt, you know, to lean on what I've learned best from doing grassroots work, what I knew from the organization of being a convener, what it meant to just hold space for people, being able to share that and being able to kind of give them guidance. That to me is a hallmark of like what it meant to kind of lead with my voice at that time. Um, And, you know, I don't I don't I didn't at the time it wasn't about doing it to be able to share with somebody like, you know, I helped out this Minneapolis chapter. It was just me leaning on, you know, my acumen, what, you know, I I thought, God forbid, if something like that happened here, this is what I would resort to. And this is what I want to help you all with. And for me, you know, time and time again, I think back to that. And I was just in the moment. But I think years later, it's like, man, you stepped in. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. and this is at a time when I'm I'm new to leading all together. I'm leading a whole virtual team. I'm trying to set the, the path forward for my own team. But yeah. I, I just went in automatically to kind of give some sort of assistance. And it was hopeful. That's it. I'll give what I have. That's what you did. You didn't yes. you didn't look at it as too big. I'm new. Um, I don't know what I have to offer. And you might have even said, I don't know what I have to offer. But um, <laughs> But let's hold space and have the conversation and see where yes. we go from there. Um, yes. And, and th- that's huge. That is huge because that that is a that was a no, I mean that was a country issue, um, and all of it is. But that was the first time we the whole world witnessed it. That was yes. the very first time. Yes. And just saying, hey, let's just hold space and talk about it. Yep. That's huge. Yep. Yep. And sometimes it's it's. It's a small act like that. You know, I will say to your viewers that when you when you're leading with your voice, do not expect the act, you know, to be, you know, magnified for everybody to see. That's not the whole that's not the point of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there will be points that if it if you know, if if it's in alignment and it shows up that way, great, fantastic. But the purpose of it is not that. You know, it's whoever you know you're meant to touch. That's the most important thing. And you do it in an authentic way. Um, the blessings kind of continue to happen when you do it authentically. Um, and, and, and the blessings happen oftentimes when you're not looking for it. But the most important thing is to do it from an authentic place. Because that authentic place is a real seed that yes. has the opportunity to grow. Absolutely. Which is why those blessings, which is why those opportunities seem, seems like they're coming out of nowhere. But everything that we plant does have to grow. Yes. It does have to take root and grow. But the authenticity part of it is what allows the roots to actually take hold of that ground so yes. that there can be growth. Yes. Um, ah, thank you for that, Brenda. I'm so glad you were able to share that with our audience. You know, yes. um, every guest share something as as personal as that all the time and you you did the same thing that all the other guests did so <laughs> i am elated that when women speak draws women leaders like you to share with our audience brenda absolutely so what are your last words what would you say to the viewers listening again whether it's 
right when it's live, when it's public, right when it's live or replay six months from now or four years from now. What are your last words for our viewers? Oh, man. I would say um, that if you are struggling or you feel like you're in a rough patch of kind of being able to find your voice, um, don't feel dismayed because as I mentioned at the beginning that this is a process. So um, success a lot of times is with peaks and valleys. So you, you hit a peak, you know, you can potentially expect a valley. Um, and so when it comes to finding your voice, understanding that with those peaks and valleys, there's also evolution in it as well. Um, and so don't be dismayed if you're having trouble finding it or you're having trouble sustaining it. Um, lean back into the authenticity of who you are. And, you know, to your point, Shirley, about you talk about journaling. I found myself at the very beginning of this process of finding myself journaling a lot. And um, I've gone back and I've read, you know, what I wrote. And um, some of it, you know, some of what I've been able to do then is definitely beyond my wildest dreams. But the initial step to get to that point of my wildest dreams happening is very much in that journal. And I go back to it. And it's sometimes often like the thing that reminds me then to kind of push forward. It's also the thing that makes me realize that my mind just might have been a particular space at that time. Mm -hmm. And it just might, you know, mean an evolution. And that's not a bad thing. But, you know, do not be dismayed because there's there, there's a whole purpose to all of this. And your voice is not going to sound the same like anyone else. You know, appreciate when it's distinguishable from anybody else. Um, there's nothing wrong with that there it's it's absolutely unique and something to really cherish um but you know hone in on it however you can um don't be dismayed because it's definitely a unique thing and it's definitely meant for you and the the peaks and valleys are unique to you so use them to your advantage appreciate your distinct voice that's that that's also that diversity in in in, in at the table that Brenda and I Brenda's began to talk and we began to commute talk about together and discuss together. It's all it is all that of value. Yeah. Appreciate your distinct voice. Brenda, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of When Women Speak, Finding, Leading, and Leaving with Her Voice. How do our viewers contact you? How do they reach you? Sure. So they can follow me on LinkedIn um, at BrendaLeeMorrison.com. There's a hyphen between the Brenda and the Lee and the Lee is spelled L-E-A. I know that's a funny spelling, um, but um, it's still pronounced Lee. Um, you can also find me on Facebook as well. If you search Brenda Morrison, I'm more than happy to connect with anyone who might be interested in talking about this a little bit further. Um, I, I've realized that this is definitely a pastime of mine to even just connect with people on this topic because it's near and dear to me. Thank you so much, Brenda. And this has been another episode of When Women Speak, Finding, Leading, and Leaving with Her Voice. When Women Speak is sponsored by Life on Power, a leadership development consultancy firm. And we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to the When Women Speak podcast, now on the Live Podcast Network.